0: If you would turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, uh, we've got a lot to do this morning. We're going to observe the Lord's Supper also, and the people that I'm going to ask to help me a little later on, John and Tammy, Ray and Vicki, Rudd and Althea, uh, Jim, Winans, and Des, um, a little later on, we'll ask you to come help pass out these elements here. But uh, we are continuing our study in, in Romans chapter 5. It's one of the most astounding passages in all of Scripture. And I just pray that I I don't mess it up as we look through this and we really understand what it's giving us here. It's giving us the results of we making the decision by faith to receive Jesus as Lord. And um, it's an amazing, it's four chapters just filled with wonderful, awesome truth. Our Father, we pray this morning that as we look at this passage of Scripture, that it would get us. We want to get it too, but we pray that it it, it attach to us and stick, and we would understand these, these astounding results of what took place just, just because we, by faith, have come to know Jesus as Lord. And so, uh, um, may, we, may we really be intently concentrated upon your word this morning and all that it means to us. We uh, thank you for giving it to us in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, Richard Paul Evans is a, a, a writer that Mary Lee and I like a lot. Um, it's just it's he he weaves a good good story, and uh, we we really enjoy uh, a lot of his books. And uh, he wrote in a book uh, concerning, and it was it was a book about a, a kind of a. Uh, today's Joseph from the Old Testament in Genesis. It's kind of like a Joseph from, you know, today and that story. But one of the one of the things that he mentions in this book, and I don't know if he's the original originator of it, but he, he makes this quote usually life's greatest gifts come wrapped in adversity usually life 's greatest gifts come wrapped in adversity and and we 're seeing that here in this chapter in chapter five of romans and we 're looking at the the changes that take place last week we looked at verses one through five and and, and the changes that take place uh, that for you as a Christian that took place when you were justified by faith in Jesus um, we we see this this exchange this change that takes place in our lives, and as you continue to study the scripture, you realize that when you were justified by faith in Jesus, you went from being a sinner by nature to being a saint by nature. You went from being condemned to being forgiven. You went from being in Adam as your head, or as the Bible's going to call it, a type that we'll look at next week, but you went from being in in Adam as your representative to Jesus being our type or head or representative. We could go on and on concerning what takes place, and we'll look at some more of those even in this message today, but next week also. The changes that took place. We saw last week we now have peace with God. We've moved from the courtroom to the family room. Um, we, we saw last week that we have continual access to God in His glory, continual. In fact, we stand there. It's like we've gone to the family room, and sometimes we're in the throne room, but the same God is there. One's our father, the other one's our, our king um, but uh, we have continual access to him. We don't have to go through a, a mediator or anything else. Uh, we have continual access to God and his grace. We have this future with God and some in some strange way we're going to actually not only see the, the essence, his glory, the essence of who he is, but in some way we're going to share that. And, and so that's that's just talking about the first three things, peace with God, you know, this access to God, this, this future with God. And in the meantime, we're learning that God is using even the pressures of life to make us develop and mature. <laughs> An incredible thing. It doesn't mean God brings every pressure. It just means he's using whatever is going on in your life. The word tribulation, uh, you know, uh, we say I'm tribulating. Uh, it, that means you're under a lot of pressure. And, and God is using those pressings. That's what the word literally means, a pressing. He's using those pressings to make us patient, steady, not a reactor to circumstances type of person. And it goes from exalting, and that's that's what the word, the word exalt means to to uh, literally means to boast in something, to have great confidence in something. It's thinking about God. It's just thinking about God. And who He is. I, I exalt, I exalt in the certainty of my future. And, there, and then he says, and, I, and we also exalt in our tribulations, our our pressures. God, you're awesome. The, what you're doing in my life and what you're doing in other people's lives and what you're doing on this earth. And we go from tribulation brings about perseverance and per- perseverance brings about proven character. It means you become an experienced, reliable veteran. Somebody who's den- been in the trenches And this leads to absolute confidence in God because we see God at work in the midst of whatever is going on. And this confidence in God never disappoints us. It never makes us ashamed. It doesn't. And and we realize why as you look at the last part of verse 5, because the Bible says that the Holy God, when we became, this is just being justified by faith, the he gave, past tense, he gave each of us the Holy Spirit who lives within these bodies. And this Holy Spirit who lives within these bodies is continually flooding our hearts with his love. This is all out of God's love. He's using the hard, hardest things of life, the things many times that we don't understand that confuse us, that, that are truly uh, a pressing in our lives. And But he's, he's using those out of his love. And, and I realize as you read verse five, you, many times we're overwhelmed with a sense of God's love. God, how you love me? I just... I just feel so loved. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your arms around me. I just, I I really, I I love this. I'm just overwhelmed with you and your love. And yet you can't measure that. You can share that with somebody else and they say, oh, that's just, you just got indigestion or, you know, something, something's up in your life. Uh, it, It can't be measured. You can't. Prove that kind of love. Sometimes say, Well, prove it that God loves me. And that's what we're going to see today the objective historical proof that God loves us. Today we see the objective ground for knowing that God loves us and is doing only what is best for you and for me. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And notice the words that are used here. Helpless, ungodly, sinners. Enemies. That was us. That was you. That was me when Jesus died in our place and for our sins. Now that is God's love. Verse 6 says, We were powerless. The word literally means without strength, we were weak. We were ungodly, which means a lack of reverence for God. We we want nothing to do with Him and His truth. And when you think about it, a helpless person can't meet God's standards. They are absolutely without strength to do so. And an ungodly person doesn't want to meet God's standards. And it was at that very time that Christ died for us. These are the people that Jesus died for at just the right time, and they include you and me. Helpless, ungodly. And then the Apostle Paul gives an example. He says in verse 7 Very rarely will anyone die for a just person. This is one who lives by the law, you know, does things by the books. Uh, Very rarely will somebody die for somebody like that. Uh, 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 Someone might dare to die for a good man. That has occasionally happened. But Paul's point is, rarely will anyone give up his life for another, even if the other is good. And the contrast here, Jesus died for the helpless and the ungodly, who were neither righteous nor good. That's on your handout if you're following along on the bulletin. Um... Jesus died for the helpless and the ungodly who were neither righteous or just, just nor good. <laughs> Remember, we're looking at God's love, an objective historical place in history where it was demonstrated. And then in verse 8, the apostle describes God's kind of love, but God demonstrates the love, this is the way it's literally written, but God demonstrates the love of himself to us in that sinners being us, Christ on behalf of us died. This is the love that is using all of our pressures and our experience and life itself. This is God's kind of love. And so when you look at verses three through five and it says, you know, not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, our pressures, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance brings about proven character and proven character brings out hope and hope never disappoints us. Uh, when, when you look at that, you realize that this is the God who loved us when we were sinners and ungodly and enemies and helpless. This is the God who, who is now our Father and our Lord. And he's the one who's using what's going on in your life and my life to conform us to the image of his Son, Jesus. Please please get this. Please, Please understand this. So you look at helpless and you look at ungodly and now you have the word sinners. The word sin means to miss God's mark. A sinner is who we were by nature. A sinner is who we were by our practices and thoughts. A sinner uh, is who we were by our representative or type or head. So we couldn't meet God's standards. We didn't want to meet God's standards. We were missing God's standards even if we didn't know it. And God loved us. He's always loved us. On your handout I put there, God has always loved us. And he demonstrated that by giving his son to die for us as sinners and for our sins. That's some kind of love. And going on in the handout, God's love proven at the cross is an objective historical fact that we never dare forget. It's where we're to go when we don't feel Loved. it's where we 're to go when we question what 's going on in our lives when or somebody else 's life it 's where we 're to go when we wonder Where's god? It's where 's god it 's where we 're to go when we don 't understand the pressures and god 's use of them. Remember last week we were looking at the peace of God and we said that, you know it really didn 't matter whether we felt peace or not that that when we when we aren't when we 're uncertain of Uh, our peace with God we don't go to try and change our feelings we go to the cross where Jesus settled the issue and in the case this case here when you don't feel loved when when you you don't feel that Holy Spirit flooding of our hearts with love we don't feel that where are we to go we're to go to the cross People say, prove to me that God loves me. Take him to the cross. And the point the apostle Paul is making here is is that if he loved us then, (laughs) while we were in that helpless, ungodly, sinful condition, much more is the word he uses in verse 9. Look at it. Much more then having now been justified by his blood. That's a past event. So, but much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. We continue to look at the results. And we realize that one of the results of being justified by faith is we're saved from the wrath of God through Jesus. You know, we looked at the wrath of God back in chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. And we saw that God gave them over out of his wrath. He's pouring out his wrath from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness, the injustice of man. And he's pouring that out continually. And then we saw in chapter 2, the future day of the wrath of God described. And God's wrath represents his hatred and his resistance to the evil of mankind. And so, what he's telling us here is that another result of being justified by faith in Jesus is we won't experience God's wrath either here on this earth or in the future. It's another one of the perks. See, see the point of verse 9 is, if God loved us enough to provide justification, that's that big legal term, but it just means just or right, legally right with God. If God loved us enough to provide justification for us much more, he'll also save his own from his wrath. And again, it's, it's incredible, again, demonstrating his love for you and me. And then in verse 10, you've got another much more. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. It gives us another indication of what we were like before we came to know Jesus as Lord. We were God's enemies. wasn't from God's point of view It was from ours it was our choice we were against him actively or passively opposing him deliberately suppressing his truth that was the charge that's the that's that is the charge against every human being that they have suppressed the God-given truth that they have they may have a very little amount of truth they may have a lot but they suppress it they sit on it they don't want anything to do with it they want to go their own way and so God lets them. To show them their need. And yet, out of his love, Christ died for us, helpless, ungodly sinners, enemies. Through Jesus, we were reconciled to God. The word reconcile means to change or exchange, to go from hostility to harmony, from enemies to friends, from ungodly to holy. <laughs> and God accomplished this through the death of Jesus. And since that's true, you have this much more. We shall be saved daily and in the future, and this is on your handout if you're looking, through and by Jesus' life. (laughs) I really look at verse 10, that last part there, we shall be saved by his life, as I think it's, I don't know if it's the key to the rest of Romans (laughs) because there's so much good truth here. But it's a key. It's really important to understand that the way we were saved, the way we were saved was by Jesus, the way we continually are saved, the way we will be saved is through and by Jesus in us and through us. We are saved past, present, and future through him living for us, in us, and through us. Jesus' life in and through ours, out of his love, that is God's plan. Please get this. I know a lot of times we think, well, now that I'm a Christian, I've got to do all these things and I'll do my best, God. God says, I don't want want anything. I just want you to trust me. I want you to trust me in the midst of those pressures you're going through. I want you to trust me in the midst of tragedy. I want you to trust me in the midst of confusion where you really don't know what to do. I, I want you to trust me when you're being ridiculed and, and persecuted even. I want you to trust me. That's all I want. And then I will live. I will live my life through yours. And so it ends up with people seeing Jesus instead of people seeing us trying to live for Jesus. And so God's love is far beyond our comprehension. This is the kind of love that underlies his every action. This is behind what, is, what you're going through at this time. And God's ultimate goals we're going to see in Romans chapter 8 verses 29 and 30. God's ultimate goal is to conform you and me to the image of his son Jesus. So that outwardly our choices and our thinking and our behavior, you know, our actions, everything about us, our words, everything about us reflects Jesus Christ because it's his life in ours and through ours. And so never forget, God loves you. It's our message to the unbelieving world. It, it is, people. It is. Whether they accept it or not, that's not our decision. But our, our, our message is God loves you. If you are helpless and ungodly and a sinner and, and an enemy of God, God loves you. The indwelling Holy Spirit and the cross prove God's love. His love makes it possible to be right or just with Him. His love makes it, you know, saves us from His wrath. His love saves us by His life. This is the reason we can exalt in the midst of our pressures. Because we know God, what He's doing, and we understand His love. I put on your handout, if God loved us when helpless, ungodly sinners and enemies, and please please get this, (laughs) if God loved us then, proving his love by Jesus' death on the cross, certainly he will not and cannot do anything but that which is good for us now that we're his children and he's our father. And and I asked the question there, and I hope you go through these questions when we talk about reflecting on these verses. I try to put some questions at the end of every message. But how does understanding God's love for you before you became a Christian help you in understanding what you're going through now? I'd like to make a point that I uh, didn't make last week, but I thought about it during the week, and uh, and sometimes uh, we ask, uh, you know, well, why, why isn't there the, uh, the excitement, the adventure, whatever uh, that it seems like I had when I first became a Christian? You know, why, why do the why do the tests seem harder? Why do I seem to be pressed more today than I did then? And my answer to that is God does not give a 12th grader a third grade test. When you were in the third grade spiritually, you received third grade tests. They were appropriate for your age where you were in your walk. But as you grow in our Lord and you see your actions and your words and your choices and your thinking start more and more to reflect uh, this God that we serve, as you grow up, he'll give you a a, a 12th grade test if you're in 12th grade. He won't give you a third grade test. He won't. And and I really believe that that's one of the reasons that... um, our tests become harder. It just means you're growing up. So don't look at it as bad. In fact, the Bible says not even to look at it negatively, look at it as I exalt in my tribulations, my pressures. Because pressures are these, yeah, these pressures bring about perseverance, endurance, person who hangs in there. And perseverance brings about proven character. You become a reliable veteran. And proven character brings about hope. The certainty that God's going to finish what He's begun. I wrote a prayer there. And I'd like to close, close this before we observe. I'd like to close this part in prayer before we observe the Lord's Supper together. But I'd like for you to look at that prayer and hopefully you'll be praying along with me. Our Father, your love for us and your son's life in and through ours. What a plan. (laughs) Thank you that this kind of love and life underlies your every action. You can be fully trusted. You are the answer to our every question. May we appreciate your loving arms wrapped around us As we take our pressures and begin to look at them from the perspective of your love, our pressures start to make sense. And Jesus, thank you for justifying us by your blood, saving us from the Father's wrath, reconciling us to the Father, and continually saving us by your life.